Good morning. It's nice to see such a full house today. This is fantastic to see all your faces. Um, my name's Emily. I'm part of the charitable giving team here at Friends Church. So I get to stand up here and talk about generosity and finances and all that fun stuff. Um, we are getting into our fall season. We've got all kinds of events happening, all kinds of good stuff that we've got planning and in the works. And as always, um, we need your support in order to make that happen. So Friends Church cannot um, continue to exist without the generosity of the people who are connected in our community here. So if you are already a, a regular giver, we say thank you. If you have given one time financially to us, we also want to thank you. We do have the opportunity for you to set up a pre-authorized giving plan if you want to um, get into a pattern of contributing financially regularly. Um, you can do that on our website or through the app. If you'd like to give just one time, you can also go to the website, to the app, or we do have our black box at the back of the room if you're here with us in person. One of the events that we have coming up soon is our community lunch. So next Sunday, September the 18th, I think I've got the date right, um, we are going to be gathering after our um, service in the morning here, and we are going to have lunch together. And it is purely a social event. We want to come. We want you to connect with people, maybe meet some new people, see some faces that you haven't seen in a long time, um, and we would love for you to join us. We would love also to make sure that we plan enough food for everybody. So if you are going to come, could you please take a moment and register? You can find the register registration on our website, friendschurch.ca slash events, um, just so we make sure that we can plan um, food. If you have had a last minute change, you didn't plan to come, and the next Sunday it turns out to be possible, please show up anyway. Don't let the registration dissuade you, but we just want to make sure that we can plan ahead. If you're able to help out with our lunch, Jeff would love to hear from you. We do need some volunteer support in order to make sure that things go really smoothly. So if you are able to volunteer, Jeff at friendschurch.ca is where you want to send that message. Thanks very much. Thanks, Emily. I want to start today by asking you to imagine something. Little kid, maybe he looks a little like me, big curly hair. But they asked their mother this really important question. Mom, why am I alive? It's kind of a big question, isn't it? <laughs> why are you alive? Is this just some random event that, you know, certain molecules lined up with other molecules and boom, now you're here? Is there a purpose? Is there meaning to all of this? As you walk through your life, if things go south, does that mean by definition, whatever meaning and plan for your life, you're not on it? Or is that part of it? Mom, why am I alive? My mom would have said something like, well, Vincent, she called me by my full name, thanks mom. Well, Vincent, you were in my belly and then you grew and then I gave birth to you and that's why you're alive. And I would have said something along the lines of, yeah, but mom, but why am I alive? Like, why are you alive? And she would have said, well, my mother, same thing. And then she would have realized, oh, 
If you were that parent, how would you have answered that question? Someone, a a child, genuinely wants to know, is there a meaning to this? Like, what is this thing called life? Why am I even here? How would you have answered? For you parents out there, you're going, well, let me tell you how I did answer. I think my mom would have said something along the lines of, well, Vincent, you're alive because I gave birth to you. And my mom gave birth to me, and her mom gave birth to her, and all the way back to the first mother. This is from her tradition. She said the first mother, Eve, was not born. She was created. And a part of that creation is still inside of me, inside of you. You see, in my mom's tradition, created means something more than just created. It means you were created on purpose. You were created for a meaning. I'm going to say it this way. You're created, being created means you're special. That kind of feels nice though, doesn't it? Saying that to a little kid. All the way back, you know, you're created. And so there's something in you that's special. There is some force in the universe that said, no, 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 I want you. I want you to be here in this place, in this time, just the way you are, because you're special. Can you throw up that psalmist quote for me, Nathaniel? One of the uh, poets says it this way. Being created feels like this. Yes, it's writing a poem. Oh, yes, creator. You shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. Tell me that doesn't feel nice. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit and how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. All the days of my life prepared before I even lived a day. You want to talk about purpose and meaning? How's that? If you believe you were created and you're created in this way, you're here for a reason. You are made just the way you are for this moment. I think that's how my mom would have answered. That's part of the Christian tradition. And you can see now when evolution comes along, science comes along and says, well, 6,000 years ago created, maybe, but chances are, there wasn't this supernatural event that kind of created everything half-built, right? Dinosaur fossils in the ground, you know, uranium half-decayed. They would have said, no, 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 probably the world is what, 14 point something billion years now? Humans were into the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, if we go back to earliest species. You weren't created. You evolved. And you can understand how the tradition that my mom grew up in would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're taking away the fact that I'm special? You sons of... 
because in her tradition, created means I'm special. And you're special. And I don't think this is an issue of science. This is an issue of if you take that away, I don't feel special. I don't feel like the creator knitted me in the womb, planned every moment of my life beforehand. But there's another problem. What happens when the crap hits the fan? When you have a moment where you get the cancer diagnosis, or your partner looks at you and says, yeah, we're done. Or your child dies. What's the plan then? There's a tradition, too, that says, I'm created there, I'm special. But there's another tradition in, our, in the Christian tradition that says this, what the hell? Why is my life this way? If there's a creator and they did all this and they knit me in my mother's womb and made me for this moment, what the hell? Because my life sucks. The story comes from uh, a book called Job. Job is this bizarre story that starts with a character God. I'm going to say this specifically. I use the phrase, a character God, because I don't want you to think that this is what God is, per se. This is someone writing a story, and in the story, there's a character God, and the character God says some things that the author's trying to get to. And the story starts with the character God up in heaven, chilling out with his homies. I don't know what they do up there. It actually is written this really weird way. And the accuser, the word in Hebrew is ha-satan. Satan, you see where we get the English word? It actually means the accuser. It means somebody who's saying, yeah, that's one option, but have you thought about this? The accuser walks up to the character God in the heavenly realm, whatever that looks like, and says, you know, people really like you. But I think it's just because you make their lives perfect. I think if their lives weren't perfect, they'd have no interest in you. And the character God says one of the more disturbing things in the Bible. He says, challenge accepted. Let's destroy a life and see what happens. Character Job, beautiful family, wealthy, healthy, wonderful. In one day, a tornado comes through, takes out all of his wealth, kills all of his children, and he contracts a horrible disease where his body is covered in painful sores. I don't think this story actually happened. I think this is our story. It's the gallbladder that blew up. It's the cancer diagnosis. It's the job layoff. It's the, you know, stock market goes down the toilet and we were in the wrong place. It's our health, our wealth, our family. It's us. When it feels like the plan has gone to hell, it's us. And so Job, as representing all of us and all the things that could go wrong in our lives, the rest of the book is them trying to figure out what the hell went wrong. 
And they come up with all these different explanations. This is why this happened. This is why this happened. His friends are in on it. They go, but then it gets to the end and this crazy thing happens. The character of God comes back into the story. Remember, character of God. This is the voice of the author trying to understand something. The character of God says this. Nathaniel, can you throw it up for me? Says to Job, when Job says, like, what the hell is going on? Where's this plan of yours? Like, what's the meaning of my life? What is going on here? God says this. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have an understanding. What was the measurements? Surely you know, because you were there, right? What is the basis sunk, or what laid the cornerstone? For about three chapters, the character God goes on and on and on about how little Job actually knows. At one point he says, okay, so the lion born in Africa, you know the color of its tongue, right? Because I do. The raindrop that falls in, I don't know, Russia. You counted those, right? Didn't you, Job? You see how we started with the tradition that says created means I'm special. Created means you're special. But it's hard because if they're special and there's a plan and there's meaning, what happens when things go south? And Job, in a classic way that our spiritual ancestors do, just dives feet first into that sucker and essentially says this, created means I'm, how did I word that? Can you throw it up for me? Oh, that's right. This is beautiful. This is Job's response to God after three chapters of God saying, essentially, you don't know anything. You're a puny little insignificant human. You know nothing. Job says this, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful to me, which I did not know. And don't take wonderful as good. Think wonderful as big and scary and beyond anything I could ever fathom. Created for Job means were these puny little insignificant nothings. If there's a divine plan, if created means something, we are so small and so minuscule that we can't even wrap our brains around it. How is everyone feeling right now? There's a reason no one reads Job. It's depressing. I don't want to hear that crap. I want to hear that one, you know, the, the one about Psalms, I made in my mother's womb, everything is planned out. That one feels nice. I like that one. So here I am trying to understand the meaning of life. Not a small task to try and understand, right? And I'm trying to figure out, I'm going to stand in front of you all, and I'm going to talk about this meaning of life, but what I got is Job. But the reality is this. In the moments of pain, in the moments of despair, In the moments when the plan, if there is a plan of our lives, feels like something is seriously wrong, doesn't the Job story sound right? Oh, it doesn't feel good. But our spiritual ancestors tend to be brave. They will go into things that don't feel that good. A little child comes to you and says, Why am I alive? Oh, geez, kid. (laughs) Come back when you have a PhD in philosophy. So here I am sitting in my office, depressed as shit, because I'm like, 
But yet, I look at my life and I look at all the things. You know, I'm I'm doing a funeral of a friend's mother. Another friend's lost their 20-year-old son. I'm looking at cancer diagnosis after other diagnosis. I'm hearing people of, you know, way younger than me with heart attacks and strokes. I'm looking through my life and going, relationships are falling apart. And I'm going, oh, that first one, created with a plan, means I'm special, feels a little Pollyanna-ish to me. Oh, it feels nice, but it doesn't feel like it captures the world. The Job one feels like it captures the world, but what do I do with that? You know, you're so puny and insignificant, we don't even have the brain power to understand any of it, so really, what do we got? So I went to this book called Ecclesiastes that's all about the meaning of life. I go, okay, good. (laughs) Throw me a bone here, people. I'm dying. And so I start reading through this book. It's a, it's a book about a guy's journey. The guy's name is Koalath. It's a weird name. It's probably a, a title more than a name. But Koalath is going through his life, and he has this phrase that he keeps repeating. Meaningless, meaningless. It's all meaningless. In the old tradition, they use the word vanity. Vanity, all is Vanity. He goes to work one day, and he comes back and he writes down, yeah, that was meaningless. He gets ridiculously wealthy. Think like wins the lottery. Yeah, meaningless. This isn't helping my depression at all. You understand that, people. (laughs) Now, how you approach a book is really important. We call this genre criticism. Criticism just means how we're going to approach something. So let me explain to you how this works. Imagine you're a movie theater, and you're watching a movie. And in the movie, the main character's standing in a hallway, and at the end of the dark hallway is a door that's glowing. It's got lights glowing around it. And it's a horror movie. What do you tell the main character to do? We all know the character's going to go to the glowing door, and then they're going to get killed by the bad guy. But we're all like, just don't even do it. Run the other way. If I tell you it's a genre of horror. What if it's a genre of some sort of connection with the divine? A movie where somebody sees angels and now the main character is standing in a hallway and the door in front of them is glowing. What do you tell the main character to do? Go to it now. You see how just understanding a genre changes everything? You see, I approached Ecclesiastes with a genre that I grew up with, which is a book that tells you the meaning of life. He uses the word meaningless a lot, so it must mean something about meaningful, right? But as I read it, the only thing the guy came down to was meaningful was sit down for a good meal with a good glass of wine. That's the only thing meaningful in the whole world. That's super lame. For all you foodies out there, you're like, justified. I told you all. That's exactly what we need to do, right? What about the alcoholics in the room? They're going, yeah, that, uh, tricky. Wisdom. Here's the thing. Koalath says, I, got, I studied all the wisdom of the universe, and it was meaningless. I'm thinking you're an idiot. And we should cut that out of the Bible because that makes no sense to me. But what if I was looking at it as a horror when the genre wasn't horror? Here's a man 
who's looking for the meaning of life. Kind of like we all are, I think. Mom, why am I alive? And he doesn't approach it from this top down, you were created, therefore you're special, which has the whole, you know, terrible God conception from Job where it's like, you're a puny little nothing, you're an ant. Whatever plan there is, it's so much bigger than you, you can't even figure it out. Uh, Can I just do an aside? Does anyone watch the movie Prometheus? It's in the Alien series. Ooh, this is going to get... So remember Friend Church, unique spiritual journey. You can all have your own views about it. So if you're all going to hate me about this, I love the movie. The movie starts, and this is a... a, It's going to screw it up for you if you don't want to watch it, but... Um, The movie starts with this humanoid-like character hundreds of thousands of years ago standing on the edge of a waterfall on Earth. And they drink this something, and their body starts to degrade, and their DNA goes into the water. And we are all come from that DNA. How freaking cool is that? (laughs) Then, so... They are now our creators, right? We come from them. And so, in the classic sense of meaning of life, if we go find our creators, it's going to be beautiful. They're going to explain everything to us. How cool is that? And so they take a spaceship, they fly it to the other side of the world, they find their creator, and guess what happens? Their creator hates them. I'm literally sending the movie to all my friends. I get notes back. I'm never taking a movie recommendation from you again. (laughs) I was like, but the question, your creator doesn't like you. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, the rest of the movie sucked. I'm like, but the question was enough, wasn't it? Prometheus. We should just preach on the book of Prometheus all the time, right? Your creator doesn't even like you. And Ecclesiastes, Coleth, the guy who's the Ecclesiastes is about, isn't even paying attention to that. He's not trying to get it from the top down, you know, is your creator special, blah, 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 none of that crap. He ignores it all. Instead, he goes into his life and he tries different things. I'm going to go play music at a church with my friends. How did that feel? I'm going to have a dinner party with some of my closest people in my life. How does that feel? I'm going to give my time to people who need it. Volunteer. Donate money. Raise money. I realize the genre isn't a top-down approach to finding a meaningful life. It's an autobiographical way of showing someone trying to find the meaning of their life. Coleth, I don't think, is saying to you all, you know, good food, good wine, although you might, a little golf in there, we can have a little golf, then it would be okay, yeah. He would have said that was meaningless for sure. (laughs) Me and Jeff have an ongoing golf feud. I think it's golf is ridiculous. He thinks it's the sport of champions. He's wrong. I'm right. There's no unique spiritual journey when it comes to golf. I'm right. Anyways, Coleth is going through his life 
and trying different things to find what's meaningful for him. What if the genre of the book is how one finds the meaning of one's life? We don't take coalesce ideas of what is meaningless. We go through our lives in the way that Coaleth did. We go scramble a mountain. We sit on top. We have this profound moment of transcendence. Meaningful? For some. Others? We give of our money to a cause that we believe in. Feel meaningful? The pandemic has taken away all these parts of our lives and now we're putting them back together in a way that we can use Coleth's idea to go, is that meaningful? I, I, that person was out of my life for the last three years. I bring them back in and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that relationship's not great. But someone else, we have that moment where we, you know, we give them the first hug. We have that conversation. It's like we haven't even been apart. We're going, oh, I belong. What if meaning of life is not a top-down thing that we get from something outside of us? What if a meaningful life, in the words of Coleth, in the words of Ecclesiastes, is found in seeing the things in our lives that feel meaningful to each of us? That blew my mind. Each one of us going through our lives, especially now that we've made this huge transition, kind of pandemic to, I'm going to say post-pandemic, we still got COVID, but the pandemic portion's mostly done, right? We don't have quarantines, we have all that stuff. How now do we make a life that's more meaningful, that has purpose? If we're going to follow Coalesce's idea, we actually go through and use our awareness. Can you throw up the spiritual journey model image for us? We've been using this all along. See that bottom thing? Everything's built on awareness. It says that the transcendent we, the spiritual realm, for each of us is based on our awareness of what's meaningful to us. It's going to be different. I love seeing what my body can do. So whether it's running ultra marathons or like lifting weights or like hacking it with diets and supplements, I just get a kick out of it. I don't know why. So at 10 o'clock, I'm, you know, in the living room lifting weights and my wife is looking at me like, you're an idiot. It's 10 o'clock. What are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, you know. But it's meaningful to me. What is this thing called embodiment? And what can I do with it? To me, that is just profound. She finds meaning in creating beauty for people. She's a florist. Every day she creates beauty and sends beauty to people. She puts her heart and her soul into it. So meaningful. If I had to arrange flowers, I'd probably jump off a bridge. I hate it. It's like they're all different colors and Ah, they have different names and I don't even understand how they go together. But standing in front of a group of people, asking them to think deeply about their lives and what's meaningful, that's meaningful to me.
What's meaningful to you? I was just at a funeral a couple weeks ago. It's always weird. When you sit in a funeral, I find myself going back through my life. If I died today, how have I lived my life? First, that's scary, thinking about death. Jeff's going to talk about that next week. But I want you to do that now. Just take a moment and go back through your life. School, relationships, maybe kids, travel, your time, your energy. Do you have moments that felt more meaningful than others? Do you have moments where you go, oh, that, that mattered? You look back at your life and go, wait, I raised a kid. I raised five kids. That was meaningful to me. I was sitting with my coach. And we're talking about this message. And he says, Vince, dirt biking, that's got to be meaningful. And I was like, <laughs> I do it a lot. But it's more for my mental health. When you're flying down a trail at mock whatever, you can't think about anything else or you're going to die. So it kind of helps my brain stay nice and focused on exactly what I'm doing. And that's relaxing to me. You should all try it. But I said, you know what? These moments where someone gets hurt or someone can't do something and I climb down a trail in all my gear and I help them up. We get them to the top and they're like, yeah, that's meaningful. When I realized that, now I'm the first guy to put my bike down and run down the trail. What's meaningful to you? Did you go to school for what you wanted to go to or did you go for somebody else? Did you make choices that were meaningful to you or did you just make choices because you're going, uh, I'm supposed to do that? Do you pick a career that has value to you that you go, no, no, I'm doing good work or do you have a career that just makes you a lot of money? Now, for some of you, making a lot of money is meaningful. If Koaleth is right, if Ecclesiastes is right, this is each of our journeys. I'm 50 years in, <laughs> starting a little late. What would happen if we each went back through our lives and went, what is the moaning moment that feels meaningful? And did more of that. And take the things that were like, eh, that wasn't meaningful. Just take that out. Do less of it. Move jobs. Change activities. Sometimes it's really hard because we have a moment where life is transitioned, empty nesters, anyone whose kids left for school. If you liked your kids, chances are this is a moment where you're going, what is the meaning of my life? <laughs> it's been so colored by kids. Now you go back there and go, wait a second. You see it with kids who come out of university as well. As you look back through your life, what moments are the most meaningful to you?
What if part of our spiritual journey is to reorient our lives to what's meaningful? To make the difficult changes, to have more of that in our lives, and take out the things that don't matter. It's not the only way to find meaning. You can find meaning, and I'm created, therefore I'm special. If all hell's breaking loose, you can go with the Job story. Created means I'm insignificant, puny, nothing, and there's nothing that I can do about this. But we're going to pursue the Ecclesiastes version of meaning. What is meaningful to me is what feels meaningful to me. And we're going to go on a journey together. Each of us exploring what things are meaningful to us, even if it's golf. Could, that was a cheap shot, wasn't it? That was a cheap shot. I apologize. What if we lived lives that every moment was meaningful to us? That's a bit pie in the sky. What if we just had a bit more meaning? What if we use this awareness that we're going to grow over the next couple of weeks, if we use this awareness of what things are meaningful to me, and then we started to orient our lives to focus on those, what would life look like? What would the world look like? That's the journey we're on. That's the journey we're starting today. Again, it's not the only way to find meaning, but it is a beautiful one, isn't it? So if you're open to it, I want to give you some homework. This is what I've been doing the last couple of weeks as I've prepared for this. Be aware of what feels meaningful to you. You'll have a conversation with a friend and you go, oh, that felt like something. You see a sunset and the colors are gorgeous. You're like, oh. You do something with your body, physically, run, whatever. Oh. Keep a list in your head of what feels meaningful. Don't do anything with it just yet. We're going to go deeper there. Use that awareness to figure out what is the unique that is me, that is meaningful to me. And start creating a list in your head of those things. That's how we start this journey. My prayer for you and my prayer for me, oh, help me. May we find lives. No, that's, let me change that. May we create lives of profound meaning. Amen. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great one. Enjoy the sunny weather and uh, yeah, hang out. I think the kids are having a blast. You can hear them screaming. Talk amongst yourselves. No rush getting them. Have a good time.